to lift your spirits in Broncos country nuggets. It's been a little tough 24 hours. We are here to tell you about the great Denver Broncos and talk about the draft because they don't have a first or an early second round pick because they've got Russell Wilson. I think that's a trade-off all of us will take. So that can brighten your Tuesday morning after a Nuggets loss last night. And I'm your host, Zach Stevens, joined by my man, Andrew Mason. And before we hop into the show, got to tell you about our presenting sponsor, MSU Denver Online, because time and time again, the one thing that will protect you against economic downturn is an education allowing you to adapt into varying careers. And you can go build your toolbox over at MSU Denver Online, whether you want to take one class or whether you want to go get a degree, you can do that over at MSU Denver Online. And they have mastered the art of online learning because they've been doing online learning for years, way before the pandemic started. So check them out over at MSU Denver Online. My boy, Mace, how is it going? All right. How are you doing, Zach? Uh, I- I'm doing good. You know, I'm, I'm trying to forget about last night. Uh, that was a, It was a really tough Nuggets game. The Warriors look incredible. And uh, fouls don't like to be called on, on Jokic. And it's just... It's just something I want to forget about. Yeah, you know, um, the officiating left something to be desired, but I don't think that it would nece- would have necessarily turned two losses into two wins. This this looks like a Nuggets team that you had you had bench guys that were asked to start for long periods. You have Jokic putting the team on his back for the entire year. It looks like a Nuggets team that is out of gas against a Warriors team that is healthy and starting to peak at the right time and look and looks like a championship level team. This is, it just feels like a perfect storm. Yeah, it does. And unfortunately, like you said, I, it, it pains me to say because I've hated the Warriors for a decade now, but they look like a championship caliber team, but enough about them. I don't want to talk about the Warriors because I hate them. I want to talk about something that I like and like talking about. And that's a draft and that's the Denver Broncos and that's the Denver Broncos in the draft and Mace. I want to talk about the positions of need that the Broncos have entering the draft, kind of rank those positions of need and then talk about, do the Broncos have to draft a specific position on day two, because of course, on day two, they have three picks, one at the end of the second round and then two in the third round. Who knows? George may move around to pick up four picks in the th- on day two of the draft. And I want to break down just where the Broncos positions of need are, because I don't think it's clear cut. It's if, if you know, if the Broncos hadn't traded for Russell Wilson, quarterback would be position number one. That would by far be the big, biggest position the Broncos had going into the draft. But They don't have that. They don't have to worry about that. Quarterback is not up there. So what I want to do to start off is let's go position by position and break down whether the Broncos have a high, medium, low, or no need at each position. And let's kind of get the conversation started that way. And so, Mace, let's just start with quarterback. How? What's the level of need for the Broncos at quarterback entering the draft? Um, it's about on a scale one to ten. It's about a one. Um, so low, yeah. would we say, or no need? It's low because you may, because it should never be zero. I don't care what you, I don't care what you have at starter because you always have the option of a guy who falls in day three, taking him with a sixth or seventh round pick, seeing where he goes. And then if he does, if the lottery tick does pay off, then offloading that player for uh, for a much higher pick down the line while bolstering your backup position in the interim because of that. And because you may need your backup at some point, I'll never say quarterback is a zero. I'll, I'll, I'll say it's a one. And 
<clears throat> excuse me, the reason why I agree with you why it's low instead of none is obviously there's no need for a starter and there's not a need for a starter for the next decade for the Broncos. But you look at the backups, Mace, they're, they're paying Josh Johnson, who they signed in free agency, a million bucks. If, you're, if your backup quarterback is not getting at least $5 million, then you have a need there because you are not committed to him. Also, Josh Johnson only on a one-year deal. And we know Brett Rippon, he's making the minimum as well. And he's on a year-to-year deal as well. So for me, it is a low need, uh, but there is still somewhat of a need there, but obviously not a pressing one. Okay, let's go to running back, Mason. An interesting one. Broncos have a stud starter in Javante Williams. And then is Mike Boone a comfortable backup? Do they need uh, a more uh, a bigger upgrade at backup? And, and how big is that need there? I'm I'm not comfortable with Mike Boone as the only option. This needs this is an eight for me. An eight. Ooh, so are we going high or medium there? That's high. Oh man, I love it. And I would go for running back. I would go a, a medium level of need, but it's certainly one that needs to be addressed. I mean, there was a reason why we talked about Melvin Gordon so often and why the Broncos said they want him back is because they have a big hole at that second running back. Look, I really like what Mike Boone can do in terms of being a guy that can come out of the backfield and provide a receiving element, can provide a speed, a change of pace back, but he didn't play last and the coaching staff at times did not believe in him. And I think if they would have believed in him fully this year, they would have just said, no, Mike Boone's our number two. We love him. Maybe we'll get a guy on day three. But I do think that there is a need here at running back. So I agree with you. That's medium high sort of uh, sort of level there. Um, okay. And now let's go outside to wide receiver. What's the need there? That's a one. <laughs> so why why low instead of none um i'm probably never gonna give a none <laughs> okay fair fair yeah. unless you are yeah, i don't I, I don't even know unless you're the 2015 broncos defense or something you don't need anything on defense there well even then you'd always like depth you you could have a great position group and you could all and, and you could always get deeper right so it's not like you don't want to you don't want to hit on picks. I mean, and and you never know what a, what position is going to get the injury bug every every year. Even in a good injury year, there's a position that has a cluster of injuries, and you don't know where that's uh, where that's going to be. So it's hard to look at any position and say, okay, it's it's a, it's an absolute zero in terms of need, at least from my take on it. Oh, yeah. And that's totally fair. And for me, I would have probably gone. No, there's no level of need here. But here, here's well, uh, where I'll agree with you on the one, Mace, is KJ Hamler. We've already talked about he's a guy that we personally are not counting on this year because we, we just don't want to we don't want the rug pulled from us uh, again. And after two years of injuries, we don't want to count on him. And if you don't have KJ Hamler, well, then you don't have a deep threat. Tim Patrick, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, they're, they're all great, but they are not 4-2 type of guys, 4-3 type of guys. So I'll say that's where the need would be for this Broncos wide receiving core is getting a deep threat guy because I actually like the depth that they have. I really like Kendall Hinton, and from some things I've heard from, uh, from Russell Wilson's camp, they really like Kendall Hinton as a wide receiver, not just a backup quarterback and, and a story that he is. They really like him, so I like the depth there, but... If you don't have K.J. Hamler, you need that deep threat, especially with Russell Wilson. Now, look, when it was Teddy Bridgewater, you didn't really need that deep threat, but with Russ, you do. Well, the other thing is also, and it's all, it translates to special teams, right now you are looking at returner. At this point, Kendall Hinton's probably your returner. But if there was a speed, a speed guy who was available on day three, who is more of a returner again, like a Deontay Spencer? I think you'd have to take a look at at that to potentially upgrade your special teams. Right, exactly. So we'll go a one there now. Let's move inside the tight end. I'm curious where you fall here, Mace. This is, I think this is probably about a nine in terms. Of, this is a look. What you have right now, your top two guys. You have one guy who is in line and strictly a blocker and Eric Tomlinson. And you have another guy who's a move in Albert Okwebunam, but he is an ineffective blocker. You don't have anybody who can swing and, and do both. I mean, and, and ideally you want a tight end who 
has enough balance to where you're not tipping your hand pre-snap based on who you've got playing the position. And right now that's, that's something that does not exist on this roster. So if again, you know, if, if Trey McBride is there at 64, he makes a lot of sense, not only uh, in terms of the, uh, in terms of the value of the pick, but also somebody who might well step in and, and, uh, and play a lot because he gives you something that you do not currently possess on the roster. You can get by with what you have, but it's not ideal. And it's funny because when you look at the Broncos tight end room, you say, okay, they, they've got a really good blocker and they've got a really good receiver. And then you realize that those are two different players yeah. and you say, well, they don't have that overall guy. And in fact, they don't really have a starter because Tomlinson is not a guy that you want out there starting all 17 games. He's a great guy to bring in in certain situations. I really think he was a good signing, great value, a guy that can do one thing and one thing really well. And right now, you can say the exact opposite about Albert O. He can do one thing and he can do one thing really well. And that is as a receiver. In fact, Nathaniel Hackett just a month ago at the owners meeting said that Albert O is more of a pretty much a wide receiver right now. So he's saying he's not even the full the full tight end. So I agree with you that this is a need for the Broncos here. Mm-hmm. And they could, in fact, even though we all like Albert O and the threat he could be, they could draft a starter at tight end from day one, just because of how imbalanced these two guys are. So I agree with you. There certainly is a need at the tight end position. And then let's just look at offensive line as, as a general group right now. What's the need there? It's probably about seven. Okay. Yeah. And again, you don't now, unlike a tight end, this is why tight end is high is higher. You, you're not looking and saying, wow, this group is missing something right now. You've, You've got enough in terms of starters, and even if you start factoring in um, depth based on what you've uh, you've brought in, you brought in a Tom Compton who can swing between the inside and the outside. You have Calvin Anderson who's had some starting experience coming back. You still got Natani Muti in the room. You've got uh, you've got a sur- you've got a surplus of in- of interior guys who can play at this point. So it's a lower need because it's a lower need for the moment but it's a need long-term and the whole thing of having to develop a, a, another t- right ta- a right tackle that's still out there right now. So I think probably more third round than second round. When we talk about uh, if it, this, if this could be day two, but it's, it's, it's not low on the list. No, it's not. And like you said, it is low for a day one starter this year. But when you look at the future, the Broncos, don't have a a right tackle next year. The three guys that are competing for that position, Mace, this year, and Tom Compton and Calvin Anderson and Billy Turner, they're all on one-year deals. They could all be gone next season. So the Broncos have to finally address offensive line in the draft. They haven't drafted a tackle since Garrett Bowles with their first-round pick in 2017, which is just crazy. So when when I look at this offensive line, uh, I, I do say that it is specifically right tackle that has that need, but... It's not that day one need that you're talking about. Okay, so after going through the offensive side mace, of the five positions, we have two with a low need and three with a semi-high need, which is interesting. I'm curious where defense comes in, and let's start on the inside out. Let's go to defensive line. What's the level of need there? It's a, it's a, it's a low-key high need, probably about a seven and a half or an eight. A low-key high need. I like that. And I think you're right there because we we the, the defensive line is something that we haven't talked about much this year. Broncos, I really like what they did by bringing DJ Jones in. At his position, they don't have a need. Draymond Jones, he's a really good player, but I'm just I'm curious what happens with him. Does he turn into a $15 million per year player after this season by playing so well? And those guys are maybe the guys when you're paying a quarterback and you're paying two wide receivers and you know you're paying Pat Sertan, you may have to let go of that sort of player like the Broncos did with Malik Jackson when he went and got $15 million. The Broncos just couldn't keep him. So you do want some depth there. And right now the Broncos don't have any depth, but outside of of those two guys, Mace, the Broncos don't really have anyone proven. I love what it, what McTelvin Ajim brings to the table and what he was doing in training camp, but he barely saw the field last year. So I can't say that I love him and I love what he brings to, to the game and, and that uh, the Broncos love him as well. So I think the Broncos have two studs on the defensive line and then just huge question marks. 
Yeah, and um, right now, if you are going, if you're going for a base look, if you have, you have Deshaun Williams or McTelvin Ajim starting, and Ajim's kind of the wild card, what wild card in there. Now, I think we're going to see more sub packages, and I think we're going to see a lot of two down linemen look, which would lend itself to DJ Jones and Draymond Jones primarily. And then you, you, you can kind of, you can kind of live with that, but this is something where you could use an upgrade. I'm just not sure value wise that there is something there this, this year in the draft based on where the Broncos pick. Okay. So there is a need there, but unsure how it matches up with the draft. Let's go outside, outside linebacker. If man, this has got to be up there, right? It's up there because right now you have two starters who have injury concerns, historically speaking. I mean, Randy Gregory, of course, has the substance abuse suspensions, but he's also had some injuries. He missed some time last year on injured reserve. And Bradley Chubb has, uh, since the start of the 2019 season, missed almost as many games as he's actually played. Your backups right now are, you know, John. you get to Jonathan Cooper and Malik Reed and Baron Browning getting a look at outside at outside linebacker and they're intriguing but do you want Baron Brownie to be there long term do you do you want him back bouncing to the inside one thing that was mentioned down in uh, Palm Beach by George Payton Nathaniel Hackett was kind of all right let's let's cross train him a bit so he can do everything but um right now you don't really trust you don't really trust the depth and so again this is probably going to be something that comes in at about seven and a half or an eight seven and a half or eight and it, it's really fair and again the day one starter isn't there unless and i'm i'm touching wood right now unless there, there there's there's no guarantee that you're gonna have randy gregory back we, we've heard so many times where a guy's just injured in the offseason he's gonna be back by training camp then day one of training camp comes around and he's not back and oh no he'll be back for the preseason preseason game comes around he's not back oh he'll be back by week. we've heard that so many times over the last few years. So I'm not even saying that they don't have a need day one, but it's something that they shouldn't have a need, but then you do, you do have to factor in that you're going to need guys playing. So I I think a, a seven and a half is fair for outside linebacker. Now inside linebacker mace. Mm. Uh, you have, again, you have the option of moving Baron Browning back there. And, and based on what he did in coverage last year, I hope that if it doesn't, look like it's working on the edge that they move him back inside as quickly as possible. You have Alex Singleton has started, has played extensively. You can debate just how well he's played, but he has a lot of high level experience coming in. Josie Jewell, we know what he can do. I mean, he was looking like a pro bowler the first week and a quarter before he got hurt and has steadily gotten better over the course of his career. I don't think this is as high a need as uh, a lot of people think. I think this is about a six. Okay, a six. So now we're kind of getting into medium range, and and, yeah. and I'm okay with that because especially when you take into positional value at inside linebacker, especially with with Evero running a similar defense as Vic Fangio, that was a position that you could cover up, especially with the Broncos playing a lot of dime this year. That's a position that's just not going to be on the field. You're not going to have two guys on the field that often. So I do mm-hmm. think that that's a position that isn't as pressing as some people think. Let's bounce outside to the cornerback position. Of course, you got Ronald Darby as a starter. You got Quan Williams as a starter in the slot, and you have Pat Sertan, the stud shut down corner on the outside. In terms of starters, you don't need anything, but in terms of depth, Mace, I mean, it, it's Michael O.J. Mudia and then big questions, and it's not like Michael O.J. Mudia is a big answer right now. I mean, how much do you trust O.J. Mudia? And he's a guy who missed nearly the entire 2021 season on his yeah. reserve last year. So this, and, and plus, you know, you, you start kind of making your long-term plans here. You need to, you need to have somebody waiting in the wings, perhaps uh, ready to go with injury strikes in 2022, but uh, uh, perhaps ready to be one of those top three guys in 2023. This is about Nate. 
and eight. Holy cow. That is uh, that is way up there. I would probably go a five personally um, just because you, you have the starters this year. But Ronald Darby, Mace, you could move on from him after this year and save about $10 million against the cap. So you could create a need for yourself there. But but we'll go we'll go with an eight there for that. And then safety, Mace. We know the Broncos brought back Kareem Jackson, have Justin Simmons, have good depth with Caden Stearns. And they also have Jamar Jackson and uh, and and Reed back there. Yeah, they signed J.R. Reed. He's mostly special team for special teams purposes, but he can provide depth. This is about a three. Uh, you have P.J. Locke there as well. You feel good about the depth. You feel good. Uh, you feel good about your starters right now. This is actually when they when they brought Kareem Jackson back, this actually this became this went from a position that looked like one one where you were going to have to target to one where it now looks like one of the deeper positions on the roster which uh I'm not sure Mel Kuyper Jr got the memo because when he did the he and Todd McShay did a two round uh mock draft I believe Mel had the Broncos taking his safety yeah, and that's why it's good, and we appreciate you guys tuning in with us for the local Broncos coverage yeah. because sometimes the national coverage gets a little confused about just what the Broncos need because what what I like about this, Mason, and when you talk about the draft, you got to talk about, especially in the early picks, you got to talk about the now, but you also have to talk about the future, and the Broncos just, they're set at safety for the now and for the future, so I like having the safety position as a low level of need entering the draft. Now, let's break these down and compare them to one another, but first, I got Got to tell you about our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook because it's basketball time. And despite the Nuggets breaking our hearts the past two games, you can still get $150 in free bets over at DraftKings Sportsbook by using the code DNVR over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Bet $5 on any basketball game, and that's all you have to do. Just bet $5, and you get $150 in your account instantly. It is as easy as that, and there's really no better time to sign up to get $150 in your account than right now for playoffs for the Nuggets. And then, of course, we got Avs playoffs coming up, and they should be looking at a long playoff push. Plus, each day of the first round, get a risk-free bet up to $10 if your same-game parlay doesn't hit. DraftKings has so many deals day in and day out. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR when you sign up to get this offer of getting $153 in your account by just betting $5 on any NBA game over at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. to DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. And maybe you're watching the uh, Nuggets-Warriors game last night. You're watching on TNT. And you're hearing such gems as uh, Stan Van Gundy explaining that uh, uh, Nikola Jokic should have uh, should draw more fouls, but he doesn't get the fouls drawn against him that Andrew Wiggins does because Andrew Wiggins is faster. And you're like, okay, well, um, that's an interesting rationalization for it. If you don't want that sort of rationalization, you want something a little more locally oriented, then you want to watch the Nuggets on altitude, and that means you need Evoca TV if you don't have altitude right now. Evoca TV has altitude they have at&t sports net rocky mountain they have all of course the local over the air channels so what that means is that you can watch every denver sporting event with evoca tv it's a new paradigm for television delivery that's less expensive more efficient offers a superior picture to the legacy providers they've got other national channels as well as the local channels like i mentioned and they're growing constantly and adding new channels to their lineup Ivaca is now available in denver colorado springs phoenix boise and twin falls idaho and like i said it's got altitude and it's got at&t sportsnet rocky mountain so you can watch the rockies off to their hot start you can watch the abs you can watch the nuggets you can watch the Raptors. you can watch the mammoth and much much more so how do you get Avaca TV? Well, go to Evoca.tv slash DNVR. That's E-V-O-C-A dot TV slash DNVR. Use the promo code DNVR and you get $10 off your first month. That's only 15 bucks per month for the first three three months plus the cost for receiver. You have no contracts, no hidden fees. You can rent the receiver. You can purchase up front. Either way, that'll set you up and give you the Denver sports you love. So check out Evoca TV and sign up at Evoca TV slash DNVR and use the code DNVR to get $10 off your first three months at Evoca TV. 
And despite yesterday being disappointing for the Nuggets, it was lit at the bar. Another packed night at the bar, despite an 8 p.m. start on a Monday night. I mean, talk about just a reason not to go anywhere. 8 p.m. on Monday, the bar was still lit, and there's no better place to watch games, especially playoff games, than at the DNVR bar. Nuggets game this Thursday night. Be at the bar because it's the best place to be. And then, of course, with abs coming around, no better place to watch a game than at the bar. And if you want to come by early to make sure you got a seat, stop by for happy hour from 3 to 6 to get some great deals and drink some Breck brews. And of course, join us on thednvr.com where we have the best coverage of Avs, Nuggets, Rockies, Broncos, Rams, uh, Rams, Buffs, everything Colorado sports. We've got the best coverage on thednvr.com. And when you become a member, you can leave your comments on our podcast to be read at the end of the pod, which we're going to do in the third segment. But Mace, right now, we got to go through these and break down just how pressing these needs are to the draft specifically. So let me read the order of needs that we have. Tight end is a nine. Running back, cornerback, tied at an eight. Outside linebacker, defensive line, seven and a half. Offensive line, we've got it at a seven. Med- or inside linebacker, six. And then low is safety at three, quarterback at one, wide receiver at one. So we don't really need to talk about those last positions, but would you say entering the draft and especially the way this draft is set up, that tight end is the number one need going into it? It it is because, and again, kind of, it's the one position where you look at the roster and say, all right, I'm not entirely comfortable with what we have. We can get by there. And if they don't draft a tight end early, Zach, I still expect them to sign Kyle Rudolph, who they had in for uh, a workout earlier this month. And that's an interesting thing to kind of look at at players that they've worked out, or even someone like Melvin Gordon, who was connected to the Ravens but still remains unsigned, that it's some of this is kind of waiting on the draft, right? With Kyle Rudolph, you'd like to get your all-around tight end in the draft, but if the draft falls a certain way, you can't do that, then you sign him after the draft and you kind of move and you move on and you've got to, you've got your your all-around tight end for the year. But um you'd prefer to solve it through the draft, right? You'd prefer mm-hmm. to get a long you'd prefer to get a longer term solution rather than a band-aid. Yeah, exactly. You prefer to honestly fix every position through the draft. And Mace that I'm just from a day one starting need i do with you that it is tight end because you look at all of these other positions and you can make the argument broncos have starters there i'm gonna make the argument that it's right tackle for me and the reason for that is with right tackle and with where the broncos are picking if this was if the broncos are picking in the first round i wouldn't say right tackle because then that that ninth overall pick you'd want a starter there instantly but i'm going to say just picking at 64 assuming they don't trade up or don't make a massive trade up the Broncos need to fix that position. I'm just sick and tired of talking about Billy Turner's, Bobby Massey's of the world, Donald Steve's. I mean, we can go through the list. I'm sick of that. They have to draft a tackle, and they could draft a developmental guy in the fifth round, but then there's no guarantee that he's the guy next year. If they draft one at 64, it's pretty much a guarantee that he is starting next year. Uh, and so now let's let's talk about Mace. Do the Broncos have to draft a tight end? Do they have to draft a tackle? Do they have to draft a running back or a cornerback on day three or or on day two, whether it's in the second round or the third round? Well, with the potential for one-year solutions coming in after the draft, there isn't a a position that they have to draft necessarily. They should, in my if, if they could get three ideal positions on day two of the draft, for me, it would have been, would involve tight end, right tackle, and either edge rusher or corner. Mm. And I agree with that. Mm. I do think tight end is there. I do think right tackle is there. And now I'm going to boil it down to just three, since right now the Broncos only have three picks. Man, and this is tough. Oh man, I <laughs> I want to I, I'm thinking about running back or cornerback here. And you know what? I'm going to go 
I'm not going to go running back because I think the Broncos can get uh, a, a solid running back in the fourth, fifth round to just complement Javante Williams. And touch on wood, but if Javante Williams gets hurt, Mace, great thing about having Russell Wilson is you can put more on his shoulders in, in a three-game stretch when Javante Williams is out. You don't have to have an evenly split uh, offense or, or pass and run game with Mike Boone back there. Um, and... With what the Broncos are doing, an outside linebacker with Baron Browning, we've talked about it. We've talked about how I hate that they're doing that. It doesn't make sense to me. But the depth is good enough there. Oh, man, D-line, Mace. We talked about how the Broncos have two solid guys, and they need a third. I'm going to go defensive line because that is someone that they could actually get a day one starter on day two of the draft. So I like the tight end. I like the right tackle, and I'm going D-line as well. However, edge is where I'm caught up with edge is you look at it, and they do have a need there. But they're paying Bradley Chubb, and they have enough committed to him where he's a starter. They're paying Randy Gregory a ton of money to where he is guaranteed to be the starter. And and I really like what Jonathan Cooper brings. So for me, it just it doesn't add up just what how the Broncos view their edge position right now. Yeah, I mean they they're I think this is the one place on the roster edge where I feel like the the dice roll may not pay may not pay off. I mean, if there's a if there's a move that you can question from George Payton over the course of his time, I think it's probably Randy Gregory and and getting him and targeting him given his injury history, given his suspension history, you are you're taking a huge risk here at a, and it's the kind of risk that frankly, I mean, it's, it, it, uh, it might blow up and if it blows up in your face and then Bradley Chubb continues to be bitten by the injury bug, then you are really, you're hurting at pass rush. So the problem is you get to the second, late second round, early third round. How many of these pass rushers are instant difference makers? I mean, I think this is going to be a position, a position where you just kind of ha- hang on. Frankly, if you've decided Baron Browning can be a good edge, and then based on what you saw in spurts from Jonathan Cooper last year, I'm not sure that I like someone that you get in the third round better than even Jonathan Cooper, who had higher value but dropped because of the heart condition. But certainly totally looks, he looks more like a third rounder than a seventh rounder. A hundred percent. I'm I'm right there with you, Mace. And we know that they don't love Malik Reed because they put just the right of first refuser tender refusal tender on him. And so to me, it just where's this third rounder? Where's this second rounder going to fit in? Obviously, they could come in above Jonathan Cooper, but then Jonathan Cooper's got to be one of the the best fourth options at outside linebacker in the league. So to me, that's just where it doesn't really make sense. And and cornerbacks, it, it does make sense totally. The need for this is a guy who could instantly be the Broncos fourth cornerback Ronald Darby has played one full season as a a cornerback in the league he's a guy that you can't count on for a full season I hope you can I'm touching wood again touched wood too many times in in this podcast here but he's a guy that that you just can't count on you have to count on having a replacement at some point but then also on the flip side if you don't want corner to be a need you can just say okay we're going to pay Ronald Darby 10 million dollars in 2023 as well and you don't have to have that uh and one guy that the Broncos could turn to Mace if they want to go cornerback is Roger McCreary and let's dive into our player profiles here on previewing who the Broncos could pick at 64 and let's look at cornerback Roger McCreary out of Auburn he's 5 foot 11 195 pounds he's his strengths are he's technically sound and matched up against the SEC's best and one he's physical he's starting he starts with his releases throughout the route and as a tackler now his weaknesses he lacks the ideal size and length to consistently win versus bigger receivers at that five foot eleven hundred and ninety pounds, and he's at, has average closing speed and long speed. Mace, what do you think of Roger McCreary? I think of him as the Hunter Renfro on the defensive side, <laughs> yeah. and this is why because he's not long, he's not fast, he's not exceptionally quick. His relative athletic score, RAS, some of you may have seen those RAS charts. It's 5.48, which puts him behind 77 
other corners in this year's draft class. But then you watch the film and you watch him play and he just makes plays. And that's why it's like, that's why it's with Hunter. I I kind of get defensive Hunter Renfro vibes. And even though he played mostly out, he played almost exclusively outside at Auburn. I think he actually translates to slot corner at the next level. And I think he could be, he could be aces as a slot corner uh, given, given time to to develop there. Again, the film, the film exceeds, the measurables, and I'm gonna trust, and I trust the film on him. I like him a lot on day two. Yeah, and, and I like him as a player a lot too, Mace. And I think you're spot on about playing that slot. When you watch his tape, one thing that McCreary does is he's just always on the receiver. He he's just a very sticky guy in coverage. He's he's always on him, and it starts at the line of scrimmage. And one thing that's tough for smaller guys um, is is being able to. Uh, press at the line of scrimmage and then not get burned, not get out physical. But at 190, he still stays with guys at the line of scrimmage. And one of the things I love about him playing at Auburn is he went up against Alabama and he did very well against him. He went up against Georgia, has done very well against them as well. And we know Alabama is wide receiver you. So the fact that he was able to have so much success against Alabama shows that he's able to play with those big boys, the speed boys, the the, the physically imposing guys, and he can hang with them. Uh, he, he just... He makes receivers uncomfortable, and that's just something that you wouldn't expect from a guy that's five foot eleven, one hundred and ninety pounds. And the only thing is, date the, the second round. This doesn't make a whole lot of sense because you do have Kawan Williams there, and I, like you said, I think he he matched up best. In the NFL is a slot corner, but man, if he falls in the third round and you can get him with one of your third round picks. I am all for it because he is a guy that you can play on the outside if need be. But man, would he be a perfect guy to help develop behind Kawan Williams and have him be your slot corner for a long time? I agree. And I think that's, ah, I mean, and that's what I like. And I, I actually think he could step in and play close to immediately if he, if he, if he had to come in. Uh, now, he wouldn't have to because you have Kawan Williams, but if something happens to one of those top three corners, even though he projects more as a slot, the fact that his work, his experience on the outside means you can use him on the outside, keep K1 in, in the, in the slot. And kind of like, you you know, someone like Chris Harris Jr. could, could, could bounce between the slot and outside. I could, I could see, I, I could see this happening here as, as well. Um, this is this this would be an intriguing pick at seventy five or ninety six. Mm-hmm. Exactly where I'm at with this as well. I would really like that in somewhere in the third round. And something I think you all will like is stopping by our friends over at Light Shade Three. They have skate artists high award the prioritizes quality and consistency they have ratios available in one-to-one and high ratio cbd 20 to one they've got it all and it's always using the best materials and ingredients to, to deliver the premium experience with escape artists and lightshade just opened up their 11th convenient denver metro and aurora location it's the barnum location one block off sixth and federal boulevard it's their biggest lightshade store ever and they have specialty products not offered at other locations so if you want the biggest selection with specialty items, check out the Barnum store, one block off 6th and Federal. And for 420 tomorrow, they're giving their five best-selling products at buy one, get one for $1. From April 20th to the 26th, tomorrow is a big day over at Lightshade Dispensary. And if you're looking to celebrate, check them out and use the code DNVR to get 25% off non-sale items, whether you're online or in one of their 11 stores. Hit that code DNVR. NVR over at light shade dispensary to get 25% off all non-sale items. Well, Mace, I love that conversation that we had in the before, first, before the we move, before we move on, there's, you mentioned facing tough receivers, right? On the mm-hmm. query, according to pro football focus, when he went, when Auburn faced Alabama last year, your crimson tide, yep. McCreary was targeted 18 times. Yep. Only allowed seven receptions, broke up four passes. Passer rating when they threw at him was 56.0 on the NFL passer rating scale. 
And when you say when they threw at him, you're talking about the Heisman candidate, potential number one overall pick next year, Bryce Young. We're talking about Grace. You had to get he that also in had there, a fantastic you? receiving core. Exactly. Of course, I had to get it in there. It bumps my guys up, but it also bumps Robin McCreary up. And that, that was really an eye-opening game for me because, of course, mm. I was watching that game from the other fans' perspective. Uh, and and, and Robert McCreary just, just kept popping on tape. He's just always around receivers, which is something that you do not see in college ball a lot. Mm. Yep. And and the thing is, that performance reflects his entire, roughly his entire year. The rating when he was targeted last year, 57.8. Mm-hmm. Pretty it was a, it was a big, it was good. a big year for him. He generally got better as he went as he went on at Auburn. He's heading in the right direction. And again, like you said, he, he's sticky. He kind of he, he 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 can plaster. Nothing about his measurables says he should be able to do that, but he does it. And that's why I get the Hunter Renfro vibes with him. Yep, exactly. And Balmer says, uh, you're, you're also running a lot of dimes. So who's your other slot cornerback this year? Well, it could be Roger McCreary stepping in. But if it's not, Mace, I really like the idea of Caden Stearns being being a dime piece uh, on this defense because he's a guy that, that can be all over the field. And he was so efficient last year and so good in the few opportunities he got. I want him to see the field this year. And right now, if you were saying, okay, what's the plan for the Broncos when they go dime, Caden Stearns is the plan at this moment. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, I completely agree with you. All right, let's hop in to the comment section and talk to the people in this third se- in this third section of our show. And the way you can get your comments read is go to thednvr.com. If you're a member, click on the podcast tab at the top. Click on Broncos Podcast. All of our podcasts will pop up. Click on the top one, then scroll to the bottom of the page where our comment section will appear. If you're a member, leave your comments there, and we will read them on the next day's podcast. And let's hop into the one that was left on yesterday's show from True Champ Fan 24. He says, let's go back to March 2012. I'm working for a dealership changing oil. It's a slow day, so I'm tucked away on a computer refreshing the NFL free agency tracker as fast as I can. No idea. I'm about to refresh the page into history. Peyton Manning has signed a five-year deal with the Denver Broncos. I did backflips throughout the shop, hooting and hollering. My coworkers were confused and mad. Settle down, they tell me. I'm 18, and my favorite football team signed Peyton frickin' Manning. I was not going to settle down. Now to March 2022. I'm working as a manager for an electric supply house. I'm sick, working through a head cold. I'm away from my desk in over an hour, cutting wire and helping customers. I come back to my office and see a text from my best friend. It reads, screw you. How dare you take Russ away from me? I, I see the next notification. Denver has traded for Russell Wilson. I am 29. No more backflips, but I did do my best heel clicks while jogging throughout our warehouse. What a day. Love y'all love hearing that story. That's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. But, uh, oh man, (laughs) how's your friend feeling now? That's what I want to know. True champ fan 24. (laughs) It's very true. Your friend talking himself or herself in or themselves into Drew Locke, or are they just <laughs> lamenting what was lost? Yeah, probably trying to talk themselves into Drew Locke and how the Broncos messed him up. And Mace, you know what? It, it's funny because Peyton happened 10 years ago. Russ happened 10 years, or Russ is happening now. What's the big move? If there was a big quarterback move 10 years from now, what do you think it is? Mm, wow, because you want somebody who would – still have something left in the tank. So mm-hmm. it'd be somebody, somebody out of the last like few drafts. Yeah. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe Patrick Mahomes. Ooh, I would like that. How about this one? How about Trevor Lawrence? How about he, he mm. stays in Jacksonville for 10 years, really tries to do the Jags in Jacksonville. Right. Uh, and he just says, I'm, I'm fed up with this. I have to go somewhere else and then joins the Broncos. You have Jose in the comment section coming in with Joe Burrow. That would be another good one. He says, man, Cincinnati, I didn't really want to come back home in the first place. Everyone kind of knew that. Now I got to get out, finish my career someone else after not being able to get over the hump. And Denver, perfect place. It's it's uh, where quarterbacks come to uh, finish their careers with Super Bowls. Another one would be Joe Burrow, and I know he, his name came up in the comment section. The variable on Cincinnati and Burrow, though, is um, 
that's you know Mike Brown, who is still the uh, is is still the managing uh, owner of the of of the Bengals, and actually is still technically their general manager, even though the reality is Duke Tobin is calling the shots on a day to day basis uh, when it comes to personnel. Uh, Mike Brown, it, at the chances are pretty good, just because he's 86, 87 years old, that he's going to pass the reins, uh, and the team would go to his daughter Katie Blackburn, who's been involved with the organization for a while. But what sort of tweaks does uh, Katie Blackburn make organizationally, and does that kind of move the Bengals, in, you know, uh, into a higher tier in terms of how they? operate so on the surface if it's status quo with the Bengals I could see maybe Joe Burrow being a little frustrated but I also wouldn't be surprised to see the Bengals in terms of their what they do operationally looking a bit different than they do 10 years from now and Joe Burrow saying yeah I'm gonna stick it out with my home state team yeah and exactly another one that's brought up by Bomber in the comments is Justin Herbert Man, that may be the juiciest one yet since it would be within the division. Of course, Russ, not even within the conference. Peyton was within the conference, and Justin would be within the division. That would be something. And the other thing I think when we talk about like Burrow and Lawrence, if they're traded, if they don't want to trade, I mean, obviously Deshaun Watson was traded within the conference, but certainly Seattle, if they had to trade Russell Wilson, was much happier trading him outside of the conference. And the only way Aaron Rodgers would have been traded in all likelihood would have been outside the conference. And so I think that that's something that uh, that that's going to play into it a, a, as well, perhaps. Although, again, Matthew Stafford stayed within the conference, so you never know. I, I do. I will say this. I do not think that if Justin Herbert left the Chargers uh, within the division, I don't think it'd be a trade. It would have to be free agency. There's no way the Chargers would trade him to Denver. No, no, there is no way. And yeah. so this would mean that there would be years of frustration building up with Justin Herbert where he doesn't accept a contract extension and then he plays on a lame duck contract and then the Chargers franchise tag him and he holds out or he plays and then they franchise tagging him again. And that would just be so much drama leading up to this. It would just be glorious for the Broncos if that's how it was all capped off. And also, Mace, if we're talking about this in 10 years, that probably means that there's not this huge gap in between Peyton Manning and Russell Wilson where you have six down years. We're probably talking about Russell Wilson retiring and either that offseason or the next offseason after is when you have one of these big trades. So, man, that would be exciting. I hope we're talking about that in 10 years. I, I hope that what we're talking about in 10 years is if it's if Russell Wilson is retiring – a smooth succession plan to somebody that you drafted rather than have mm. rather than going through all this again. Okay. But, but how about this? How about Arch Manning is just getting done with his first contract and he really doesn't like the team. So he decides to not resign with them and then boom, you're getting Arch Manning. So while he's not someone you drafted, you're getting a guy that's like 26 years old. Well, let's see. He'd have to, He'd have a fifth-year option, presuming he's a first-round pick, and then you have what two franchise tags? Mm-hmm. So, and Arch Manning is, uh, I believe, he'd be. Um, Isn't he the twenty twenty-six draft? Twenty twenty-six draft. So that would be after the twenty. That would be heading into twenty twenty or twenty thirty-three. Oh my gosh, this is too far out. This is too crazy. <laughs> but Mace, also remember, let's say he listens to Uncle Eli, who Uncle Eli said, oh, I'm not playing for the Chargers. Nope. What if he does that? He says, I'm not playing on the fifth-year option. I'm not playing on the franchise tag. And 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 his uncle says, you know what? You can do this. They, w- they will trade you. And that's how it happens. Well, it's more likely Uncle Eli will tell him, if you don't like the team that's drafting you, just say you're not going to play. It's more likely that it's more likely that Uncle Eli and Uncle Peyton are going to say, try to get in the right team at the start. Right. So you don't like the team with the number one overall pick in 2026. Make your way to a team that is of more quality. I mean, basically, it you know with Eli, it was fan. You know, he didn't. He and Archie didn't want him playing for the Spanish family, and they got him to a Giants team that historically is far more well-run than the Chargers have been on an ownership level, and certainly no regrets. 
Yep. No regrets at all. All right. Let's hop into the next comment coming in from Mark IT Snatch. He says, Hey guys, who is the LA slash St. Louis slash LA Rams biggest hall of fame snub? Well, we got to turn to our expert in hall of fame snubs, Andrew Mason. It's a recent uh, guy who keeps popping on the finalist list. And that is uh Tory Holt, who is simply a victim of kind of wide receiver backlog, how it took time for Isaac Bruce. It took time for Andre Reed. It's just taking to, it, you know, it took time for Marvin Harrison. It's taking time for Reggie Wayne. It's taking time for Tory Holt. He'll get in at some point. The body of work uh, is, is strong, is strong enough. And certainly being a part of one of the all-time offenses, the greatest show on turf uh, helps his cause as well. But he had some productive seasons even after they were past kind of the greatest show year. So legitimately terrific player. It's just it's just taking him a little bit of time. But uh, until he gets in, and he will get in, but until he gets in, he's a snub. Yeah, and it's crazy. I feel like he's been the finalist or near a finalist just forever, as long as I can remember. So, yeah, you're, you're right on that one, Mason. Before we hit another one, if you're tuning in live – Leave us a super chat if you want us to read a comment here. If you're if you're also tuned in live, hit us with a thumbs up. We'd really appreciate it. Subscribe, turn on alerts so you know anytime we're going live. Sometimes due to the Broncos schedule, we have to go live earlier or later than our normal noontime. Just like today, if you had alerts turned on, you would know that. But we really appreciate hitting that subscribe button and hitting us with a thumbs up. All right, next one coming in from Melbourne Broncos says, my boys, love the jersey discussion on Three Ring Circus. Just throwing an idea out there. Royal blue jersey and pants, orange and white stripes, orange D with the current Bronco incorporated into it, alter, alternate it with the color rush all orange every now and then. The navy blue era has had five-year curse. Time to go. Time to let go of it. Cheers and let's ride. Well, the thing that I'm stuck on, Mace, here is the, the the old D with the current Bronco logo in it. What do you think of that? I'm not a fan. I know there are, some have done like a, a, a mock-up that has like a bucking Bronco in the current design uh, because, of course, there is that full body Bronco that is an alternate logo that the Broncos have. Um, is I've that never the mean one. A little bit. The one where you can kind of, you know, get kind of rearing back. And again, it's right. I, I never thought of it as mean. I just thought it looked kind of weird. <laughs> um, I, I'm. I would I'd just as soon see the old logo replicated narrow legs and all um, rather than <laughs> trying to kind of modernize it a little bit. Uh, part of the part of the charm, part of the funkiness, I think, is the. It, it, it is is the imperfections involved with it and i know that was something we all discussed on friday as well um but i really don't and i and, and i know i'm in the minority on this i don't want to see all orange i don't want to see all blue i'd be content to see just the all the monochromatic looks die completely it doesn't look good on a football uniform but um so you hate color rush jerseys i love the jerseys i hate the pants if you okay. took those pants, if you had white pants with those jerseys or a white jersey with those pants, great. So then what's what's your ideal color rush jersey for the Broncos? Is it is it all white? All all white or all black are the only two kind of monochromatics Oof. that were. But the Broncos aren't going to do black. They shouldn't. They do cannot. Black. They cannot. They, do they, all they, black. they better not do black. Oh, no, oh, it's awful. The problem with the orange head to toe is I've all I've said, as I've said on Twitter, they look like ambulatory pylons or traffic cone. <laughs> no, it's fun for a game. I think. Yeah. Uh, and, and Mason, one thing, speaking of all black Broncos stuff, I do not understand the all black Broncos hat that some people wear. It, it just, it blows me. I'm like, are you a Raiders fan and a Broncos fan? Is this your way of showing allegiance to two teams? It blows me away. So they better never go all black uniform. What about the draft hat this year? Um, it's, it's, it's a black. It is. It's a black it brown. It's, yeah. it's bad. It's terrible. It's, I mean, and, the, and I and think, the, I think they've missed on the draft hats for a long time yeah. now, but definitely this year, this might be the worst draft hat because it's black. And the script makes it look like it says Denver, not Denver. Yeah. 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 See what the script did to Jacksonville. Yeah. yeah. Oh my. It's like Jack <laughs> gone. Blah, blah. It's I don't think it really helped anyone, which is just, it's just very weird. Yeah. It, they, 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 actually my favorite draft hat, the only one I really liked 
was the city flag one. Okay. Yeah. In yeah, recent I, years, that, that was a good, uh, the city and they did some state flags. They did a really wild Carolina one that had the North Carolina state flag and the South Carolina state flag, uh, uh, on it and the Tampa one was absolutely crazy because the city of Tampa flag is just it defies description it is weird is it a nightmare it's a weird it's a weird shape it, like it's kind of like um <laughs> like this <laughs> for those who are watching it's yeah it's a mess <laughs> all right and let's get on. to our last let's get to our last comment here from mile high buckeye says my boys been a while since my last comment but i've been watching the pod every day always smashing that like button thank you very much mile high buckeye need your advice and input here the financial firm i work for requires a mandated two-week vacation each year for auditing purposes mine starts next week what should i do where should I go? My wife and I are planning to buy a house within the next eight months or so. So we are trying to keep it low cost ish. Side note, I live right next to I-70 in Ohio and the DNVR bar is a casual 18 hour drive away. JK, we would fly. Also planning on coming out in August for the Crew Rapids game. Much love as always. And thanks for always getting me through the workday, Alex. And thanks so much for rolling with us, Alex. We really appreciate it. All right. So low cost. Um, so, I mean, low cost makes me think, like, okay, what can you drive to from Ohio? Okay. And uh, like he says, hey, DNVR bar is 18 hours, so they'd fly, <laughs> you'd fly for that. Um, I mean, you got two weeks. You can make an 18-hour trip. Yeah. I mean, go travel, you know, do, do, a, do, a, do a road trip. Kind of maybe, sir, maybe drive out and then kind of circumnavigate your way back. Um, you know, maybe, maybe – come out to Denver, spend a few days in Colorado, go north on your way back, maybe go over to like Mount Rushmore or something. I, everyone's got to go to Mount Man, Rushmore, right? I, I, um, got, I would, uh, I think it's still cherry blossom season out in D.C. Maybe for now, but it is, and that's where we'll be going to be that. Uh, but also, I mean, March and April is a great time to get away to a beach. And if there's an affordable beach, man, that's what I would be doing. That's for sure. I mean, this week, the end of this week in Denver, we're looking at 80s. I think it may even hit 80 today. But then I think over the weekend, it's going to be crummy. If you can find a beach where it's just always nice, that'd be hard to pass up. The one thing, though, is uh, the water. If you want to go in the water, um, it's not that warm at this point. Like, um, like even you'd have to go down to Florida. Yeah. And you'd have to go to, you'd have to go really to like, um, to like South Florida. You'd have to go to, uh, like Miami or, or, uh, or, or Fort Lauderdale or something like that. If you went down to, well, if you went to Clearwater beach right now, which is West coast of Florida near Tampa, that is 75 degrees is the water temperature. <laughs> so pretty nice. That, that's pretty nice. I like it a little more. I like it a little warmer than that. Um, I'm just trying to figure out, like, okay, how far, like, what what is the least you could go in terms of getting far south and get some nice water temperature? Jacksonville Beach, it's 72 degrees mm. right now. Um, yeah. Let's take Not a look ideal. at. Let's take a look at um, up around you know, you go to like South Carolina, no, that's like it's like 69 at Hilton Head, so that's that's nice in terms of it being the number 69 being nice, but that's not a nice uh, <laughs> right. temperature. Um, so let's see here. Can we find like a Fort Walton beach? There we go. Fort Walton beach, 71.3 degrees. So you pro looks like you probably got to get down to Tampa and further South to have something that is uh, swimmable and en enjoyable. So, so clear water on the East coast and then, um, uh, over on uh, or on the west coast and on the east coast about cocoa beach about 76 there right now so you probably want to get to about central florida before you okay can... there we go there we go and you gotta let us know what you decide for a vacation and mace and i are out now we're not going on a vacation though we're just going to go down to dove valley to the uc health training center to talk to some broncos we're going to have you covered with all you need to know about what the players say today during their second week of off-season workout program going on by going on ddnvr.com and check out some articles that we're going to have there also follow mace on twitter at mace denver you can follow me at zach stevens dnvr to get your up-to-date news on what's going on with the Broncos. But we really appreciate you all riding with us today. For Andrew Mason, I'm Zach Stevens. That'll do it today. We'll be back with you tomorrow 
at noon for another DNVR podcast. Have a great day. I know some landmarks we used to hit. We're flying cotton, we stick to. 